Hello. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Stories from the Earth. I'm Jennifer. Um, all right. So um, before we get to our interview, I just want to briefly say why I'm doing these interviews. Um, the practice of herbalism is as diverse and dramatic, dynamic as each individual herb and each individual herbalist. There are many ways to be an herbalist and many ways to interact with the plant world. Each herbalist takes their own path. The series explores the many ways to be an herbalist and who an herbalist is, as well as discussion on herbalism today and where herbalism might be going in the future. Today, we are talking with Sarah Foley, director and owner of the Southeast oldest herbal studies school, the Appalachian School of Holistic Herbalism. Sarah is also a teacher, writer, medicine maker, plant protector, and sustainability advocate, and is the land steward of Soul Flower Botanical Sanctuary. Yes. Um, all right, so, hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Good. Is it raining by you too? It is, yeah. <laughs> nice. Pretty pretty light rain, but yeah. Consistent. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I want to welcome you to Stories from the Earth. Ooh. And um if anyone has any questions um for Sarah, please pop them into the chat. Um, please put them in all caps or like do at Seawell Herbs and, and Tarot my name so that um, I can see it. Um, and we will work in questions and comments as we go along. So um, I noticed that you are drinking a tea. Yes. Can I uh, just ask you um, what's in it? And then, like, was there a reason why you put those particular herbs in there today? Sure, yeah. Um, I usually make a tea pretty much every day from herbs that I harvest outside mostly and sometimes some herbs I have dried. So this one has goldenrod, rose petals, hawthorn, and rose hips, um, and skullcap. So, and my lovely best friend Leslie this mug. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Does it have a handle, or is it one of those without? No, it's just uh, yeah, uh, handle. Yeah. So, um, I guess I chose those herbs. It's definitely goldenrod. Oh. So, it's uh, in bloom, very prolific. There's a bunch of species of goldenrods here, um, and I guess this weekend I was feeling a little stressed and sad. And so uh, I've also had a little bit of some sinus stuff, you know, and yeah. I don't know if it's allergies or just as I get older, I have a little bit of fall sinus stuff. Um, so the golden robins in bloom, rose petals. I don't know if you can see this. Yeah, I, I can't. Um, I wonder if I can. Um... Let's see. There you go. There you go. So we can see that. Oh, um, beautiful. rose for the heart. Um, also, the vitamin C rose hips that I had dried, I added for more vitamin C. Goldenrod is great for drying the sinus, um, drying out the sinuses, but 
also lubricating the lungs and the respiratory tract and great for allergies, great for just this time of year, kind of preparing for the fall and winter, um, helping your kidneys as well, prepare for the winter. It's just a great fall tonic and delicious. And yeah, I don't know, this weekend, oh wow. I didn't get out as much as I should have, but I just harvested this bundle to stuck my head in it. And that was an, enough to make me feel a lot better. So it smells so sweet, you know. Smells like laying in the grass. Um, so yeah, that's why I made the tea, and and I pretty much try to make a tea every day that includes something um, that I harvested. So I'm also connecting with the plants and getting outside and saying hi to them as well as drinking them. So is it different, sort of different every day, or a little about you know what your um, needs might, what you might feel you need. Exactly. So the goldenrod, you know, yeah. I have this whole bunch. So I'll use this throughout the week and then I'll go, you know, pick some other stuff, maybe lemon balm one day, um, whatever, whatever's in bloom. I think I actually put some marshmallow leaf in there as well today for soothing the nervous systems. So. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's an awesome way to like start your day and, and be able to connect with the, with the plants on a, on a daily basis that's that's so cool i have um i live in town so like it's a little harder for me to do that i just have a little balcony and i have some um comfrey and a little bit of uh lemon balm and cat nip that's yeah. sort of yeah those are good you know the so lemon balm and cat nip are, are really lovely um for for the nerves but um and, um but I have a weird spot, so really the comfrey is what does well. <laughs> yeah. And everything else seems to like die. So I don't know. But um, I am also drinking tea. Um, and um, this is uh, Tulsi and turmeric. Um, so I like the Tulsi um, um, for the nerves. I feel like it, it helps just sort of calm my whole body down, sometimes a little too much, like, um, and then the turmeric for like digestion. I do turmeric tincture too, so like, I know that you don't get too much medicinal value in a tea bag, but um, you know, this also has like cinnamon and some other stuff in it too, which, um, yeah, I love that. That's a, sort of a digestion, always, always something for digestion for me, a combination, um, and nervings too. I started a new job, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a crazy week for me. Yeah. Really crazy. All right. So we're going to get into it. Um, all right. So tell us a little bit about yourself and describe how you got into herbalism. Um, and and why did you want to become an herbalist and be involved with these awesome plants? Okay, great. Um, well, I'm just going to reiterate that my name is Sierra and uh, a lot of people get it wrong, so I like to just impress that every time I am able to. So it's Gaelic and oh, okay, two syllables. So if I am in Ireland, they say Kira, but my parents decided on Sira, um, like the Goddess of Brain series, um, and I was called cereal in kindergarten a lot. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but now I know that that's where we get 
the word serial is from the Greek. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so I a little more, it sort of come full circle. Um, I guess I feel that I was really just sort of drawn to herbalism as soon as I can remember being alive. So um, I had a pretty unstable childhood, early childhood, and I feel that I was really blessed to always be around nature, however. Um, uh, I always had access to, most of the time, beautiful nature, if not just a little little plot of earth. Um, so I feel like being out of doors and being in nature really gave me that groundedness that I needed and, and wanted and was searching for and also sort of a, a sense of place and friendship. I feel like I was sort of nurtured by mother nature and raised by mother nature in my early childhood a lot. Um, so I think just being outdoors, I would pretend at a young age that I was, you know, an orphan lost in the woods and I had to eat the wild plants to survive. And then someone would find me and I would always have a little like hideout, like a little special space that was mine and I felt safe and, um, and that I sort of gave back to and was in relationship with. So, you know, and then someone would find me out there eventually and be like, don't eat that. And, you know, years later, I'd find out that all the things I intuitively gathered, I could have eaten. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. That is cool. So similarly in school, you know, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis at age two, uh, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And I was bullied uh, a lot as a child. I, you know, didn't we didn't really use that word back then, but um, that's what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. So similarly at school, you know, I opted out for hanging out with plants instead of people a lot of the time. So, uh, and just like looking for acorns that had ant eggs in them and just being a little scientist. Um, and, you know, looking back even throughout junior middle school and high school like all the projects that we would do i would sort of incorporate plants without really thinking about it or knowing that it was a passion of mine but you know i think in middle school we had a medieval day and i made rose petal bread and um one of my classmates reminded me of that years later and i'd forgotten about it in high school we did a science experiment and i grew two plots of grass seed and was mean to one of them and kind to the other. <laughs> Wait, how are you being to? With my words. So. Oh, with your words. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and the one that I was kind to grew much better. So, and that was you know years before I um, ever heard of Omoto or any any sort of thing like that. Um, so that was just a concept I had come up with as a teenager. Um, for myself um, and I lived with my aunt when I was seven to 14. She really nurtured my love of nature and we lived in a very nice um, just outdoor place with a creek and um, a quarry, a, a soapstone quarry nearby and so I would transplant plants from other parts of the woods into my hideout and catch fish and collect fiddleheads and she was into French cuisine. So she had Yule Gibbons book, uh, Stalking the Wild Asparagus. And so she okay. would 
she would cook the fiddleheads that I brought in um, for me. And she showed me this book when I was about seven. And, you know, I definitely couldn't read it at the time, but I just knew it had to be the absolute coolest thing ever, this book about how to eat wild plants. So, um, and back then that was one of the really, you know, there now there's a ton of books on wild animals, but that was really the pioneer one. Um, so although she wasn't so nature oriented, she did have that, was able to foster that in me and, and um, share that appreciation with me. So I don't think that I ever, um, I don't think I ever really knew what an herbalist was. So, you know, later as a teenager, a hippie teenager, I was into like not being all natural. So I started making like my own floral infused oils um, for perfume instead of perfume. And, you know, then sort of start studying on my own the magical side of herbs. And then as a young adult, I started researching the treatments and medicines that I have been put on for my rheumatoid arthritis. Intuitively, as a young child, you know, I, I felt weird about the fact that I would be given the same treatment. I was always, you know, the 10-year-old in the room amongst like 60 and 70-year-olds. <laughs> and it always seemed really strange in some part of me that I was getting the same treatments that they were. Um, and so, as a young adult, I started researching the side effects of the medicines I was given. I took a new medicine and broke out in hives like immediately. So I started paying more attention to that and then started researching the medicinal side of herbs on my own. Um, and yeah, I don't think I ever wanted to really be an herbalist until I went to herb school and knew it was an option. Um, I definitely at some point wanted to sort of be a witch in the woods. <laughs> and Me too. <laughs> yeah. I love the word witch, um, so I don't know how much I embraced that word, but I definitely wanted to be like the wise woman in the woods, you know, in, you know, sort of solitude, speaking to the animals and, and um, sort of, you know, having people like seek me out and ask me about plants and, you know, come to me out there. And I certainly did that as well. I used to run or not run, but I used to facilitate hold space for full moon circles for 10 years, um, full moon circles. And um, so we did a lot of that for a long time. Um, and then, yeah, I went to herb school and then realized, like, oh, this is a thing I can do. <laughs> yeah, career path, actually. The thing I've been doing my whole life is a, is a thing. Right. It's yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I guess, I guess that's how I got into herbalism, <laughs> the long story. Yeah. Um, nothing like, um, you know, having a, an illness or an um you know, there's nothing kind of unusual arthritis, but there is something usual about having it at that young age. So, you know, like, um, um, uh, you know, to make you sort of start looking at the um, sort of medicine from a different angle, especially if you're having like, yeah, um, you know, reactions to. 
Sure. I think that a lot of people on sort of alternative or traditional healing paths um, have a story of their own where they were uh, not satisfied with the care that they were given and looking for safer, healthier, more intuitive options. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously it was hard. Hard is the autoimmunity affects the affects the whole body and all the organs. And so, obviously, having that since as early as I can remember, has, you know, has been a challenge. But I do also feel like it's been a blessing in that I've been just really sort of tuned into my body, very conscious of my body um, my whole life. You know? So I think that is an aspect that also helps me be a different blessing because I feel how the herbs are affecting me. Um, I feel like I pick up on subtle energies and energetics. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've got two questions from chat. One, they're asking about the uh, your grandmother, grandmother's fiddlehead book. What was the name of it? Uh, yeah, so it was my aunt. Who, my aunt sorry, no problem. Um, just giving her props for that. So yeah, my, my grandmother also very influential to me. Very matriarchal household family. But um, the name of the book is "Stalking the Wild Asparagus," and it's by Yule Gibbons. I'm trying to, nope. All right, did everyone get that? <laughs> Cause I cannot smell asparagus. So Stalking the Wild Asparagus is the book. Um, and then um, later on, I'll just put the link in the uh, description when, um, so thank you, Heather. Heather put the name in. Um, my spelling's terrible, so. Um, and then uh, one other question was, um, where did you grow up? Like, um, I grew up mostly in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Okay. And pretty nice areas with, uh, yeah, a lot of nature. I moved to Texas, Dallas for a little bit, and also had a, a quarry nearby where I would catfish. So a lot of water and nature around. Yeah, so most of Pennsylvania and Dallas for a couple of years. Okay, cool. All right, so what was, do you remember the first herb that you felt like you really connected with? And, 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 um, yes. Yeah. And why? Like, um, um, I say that, you know, just to preface it, like in Chinese medicine, they say anything in nature that is used in healing is an herb. So they use like stones and flying squirrels. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would give credit to Lily of the Valley, which is my grandma's favorite flower and was outside my grandma's house, which was sort of my most consistent home growing up. Um, Lily of the Valley and Hyacinth. So Lily of the Valley is not really used um, by practicing herbalists. It is pretty toxic. Um, 
nor is hyacin except for in aromatherapy. Um, but yeah, hyacinth is the first one that I made my own flower oil from as a early teenager um, and just as a child, like I would just go outside to those flowers every spring. And, you know, uh, Lily of the Valley has an opinion for the heart. So they were just, oh, okay. have a lot of sentiment to me for sure. And I'm a spring baby. So those, those are PD2 of two herbs that really are my gateway plants. Um, and then as far as like more medicinal herbs, uh, more herbaceous medicinal herbs, mugwort, Artemisia vulgaris is one. Um, I was a hippie in my teens and twenties and I was a, on dead tour. Um, <laughs> oh. oh yeah. It's a mugwort. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I, I I love it as well. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good one. So um, I was also studying goddess tradition and go goddess religions and, you know, Celtic tradition, um, which I was also just discovering was a thing before I thought it was just, you know, sort of an idea I had in my head. Um, so Mugwort, Artemisia vulgaris, named after the goddess, goddess Artemis, who uh, I feel a very strong affinity for. Um, and I used to be pretty crafty and, you know, make my own hippie dresses. So I'd make dream pillows out of it and sell them with that floor. And, um, yeah. and then I found out that you could also smoke mugwort and it induces visions, you know, um, psychic dreams, um, prophetic dreams of the future. I personally find that I get spirit animals come to me a lot in my dreams, which normally animals aren't in my dreams other than when I drink or take my gore in some way. Um, but yeah, I had friends on dead tour that would be like, oh, there's Sierra. We know she's got some mugworts. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of silly, but it's also, I think, really important. Uh, you know, a lot of people as teenagers and young adults are really into cannabis and there's gazillions of herbs you can smoke. There's gazillions of herbs for your nervous system. There's gazillions of herbs that are, you know, entheogens, mind altering to some varying degree. Um, so it also just started opening my mind to like, wow, there's so many medicinal plants. There's so many plants we can use in so many ways. Um, yeah. Smudging, dreaming, and then, you know, the medicinal aspects as well. It's good for the menses, good anti-parasitic, uh, which is good for dead tour as well. Um, yeah, so, and that just sort of got me going deep with one plant and realizing how versatile um, one single herb is and how much it has to offer in so many different ways. Yeah. Mugwort was um, also one of the first plants that I, I connected with as well. And um, we had a, so we had this old oak tree that I grew up with. Um, my parents had three and a half acres of land, um, which was my little magic place and then um um and then when it died which i was very sad it was like it's got to it be like several hundred years old around the stump grew up this ring of mugwort um and then when i got you know first started exploring herbalism i was like and first started identifying the plants that was one of the first like oh yeah i know what that one is and i just 
love the smell and I love, mm -hmm. I feel like, um, I like to smudge it with it because I feel like it's very calming and, and I learned it was um, a nerve of protection. I'm like, oh, maybe that's why I feel very calm and relaxed because, um, yeah. yeah, so um, I can, I, I share that sentiment of my work. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and also with its anti-parasitic physical quality, you know, getting rid of parasites in the body, um, it's also that way energetically. So when you smudge oh. with it, when you smudge with it, it specifically has, you know, an affinity for getting rid of energetic parasites. So if people are sucking your energy or if oh, you're fast wow. and you feel really drained by people, yeah, feel really great for that. Yeah. No wonder it's such an important plant for me because I'm very sensitive and I take in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I just, just na naturally just pick up on all kinds of stuff and I have a hard time like releasing. So I, yeah, I burn that a lot. So thank you for telling me that. That's, that makes so much more sense. You know, it's like it's sometimes when you're drawn to a plant, you don't always know all of the reasons. But oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, um, some from the chat, um, Smoky Fantastic, um, who says I have some, uh, wait, it jumped, sorry, chat jumped some crazy mugwort dreams with animals. Um, <laughs> and she says she used it as a tea for her period, help with cramps. Um, yeah. All right. Ooh. All right. Um, so uh, along your journey, was there an herbalist who really inspired and supported you along your path? Um, did you have anyone you considered an herbal mentor, anyone you looked up to, um, can be someone you knew or somebody um, just that you've read their books and or watched their, you know, followed their careers or. Um. Yeah, I'd say I have a few people. Um, you know, definitely I took over the school that I went to, which was originally called the North Carolina School of Natural Healing. And, um, so my teacher, Kamani Ellis, ran the herbal studies program there. Um, so I certainly, you know, have to give credit to her. I learned a ton from her and she um, learned from Rosemary Gladstar, who I also adore. Um, so there's a long lineage of traditional herbalists that, you know, I, I give props to you for sure. I didn't, um, you know, really mentor with anyone, but I do have a dear hearted uh, friend that a lot of herbalists around the world really know and adore, uh, Frank Cook. And okay. Yeah. Frank went to my school before I owned it, studied under him. Wow. That was his first her formal herbal class that he took. Um, and he was just a really unique, dynamic person that he was on a quest to meet the 57 general plants, which, you know, at first is sort of easy to do, and then you'd have to start going to remote areas to do it. And uh, he would meet the indigenous healers of the places that he would go see his plants. 
times. Um, and then he would glean all this wisdom from the plants of the regions and the healers of the regions and then carry them to the next place and share what he learned from all over the globe about plants and healing. So really just sort of fantastic gift. It's sort of creed was uh, give what you can, receive what you need. So it's all donation based, all his traveling and teaching. Um, he also sort of coined this term eat something wild every day. I don't know if you can see my t-shirt, but I have a little Frank Cook. Let's, let's see, I can I can give us a little, there we go. <laughs> eat something wild every day. It's very worn out. <laughs> <laughs> worn with um, love. <laughs> but that eat something wild every day, you know, as I talked about with the tea, is just a way yeah. to connect with your plant communities, um, what is growing around you, um, the other living beings that are your neighbors. Um, so he was really inspirational to me. I think, you know, mostly because uh, he was my baby's daddy's friend from many years back. So I met him that way, not really through being an herbalist. Um, although we intersected, you know, going to the same herb school and knowing a lot of the same people. Um, but he really encouraged me as a young professional herbalist. You know, I took over the herb school that Hamani started in 2001 when I was pregnant with my only daughter, uh, my only child. And um, so my first year of classes, I had a, a one-year-old, a toddler. You know? And he just really encouraged me at a, at a time where I, you know, had sort of that imposter syndrome. I'm like, am I really an expert yet? Should I be taking all this on? Plus I have this infant that's, you know, taking up 90% of my attention. Um, and he really just valued what I have to offer and the aspect that I bring to herbalism and really encouraged me. And I think that was just, I'm almost going to tear up, but I think that was really just something that was incredibly special about him as a person is every time he taught, he would ask whoever he was with, um, the group of people, he would try to draw out, like, what is your passion? What is your unique thing that you love and you want to go deeper into and you want to share with the community? Because he would emphasize, you know, we can't, it's not a do-it-yourself culture. We're meant to be in community. And we can't learn everything. Like, who's going to be the person, he would always say, that learns all the ferns and can be our fern expert? And who's going to be the graph person and learn all the grasses or all the goldenrods, you know? Um, and it's just really inspiring and, and just sort of that natural ability to make you want to find what you really are passionate about and share it um, and not keep it to yourself. You would say don't be an end user. Um, really has all, always sticks with me. So um, definitely Frank Code was super special to me. Um, and many people. Um, and I'd also say Rich Ocheck was another person. Uh, he's the owner of Horizon Herbs that, uh, as a young herbalist, really encouraged me. He came out and guest taught at my botanical sanctuary, my home, a class on natural gardening. Um, and whereas Frank Cook would say, he would go in the garden and, and pull all the weeds, and we would make up wild foods from all the weeds, and he would say, the rest of this stuff is just like, extra you know just sort of like 
fancy wasted time like you're spending money and energy that you know we don't really need to be spending we can just eat all these beads um, conversely you know rich ochuk will cultivates every single plant there is to cultivate pretty much um so he came and taught for me uh guest taught at my house and just really instilled to me i you know i already had this concept but uh, he just sort of took it a, to a next level for me of um, putting your energy and good intention into your medicine making. Um, medicine making is really my passion as far as herbalism goes, uh, as well as growing plants and harvesting plants and wild crafting. But, you know, I know there's like, I don't even really want to use this term, but to seal term, right, that people are using. Um, seed to seal, like from seed to packaging. Yeah. Oh, um, I haven't heard that one. Well, good. I'm <laughs> I don't love the company that, um, I'm not a big fan of the company who, who markets that term. But anyway, the concept of, you know, not just like when you're stirring the medicine, you know, or making it or chopping your plants, but all the way, not even from planting the seeds, which is that seed to seal concept, but even before that, he, he said, you know, you, when you're getting the plot of earth ready, the little parcel of earth that you're gonna plant the seeds, you can be intentionally saying, I'm pulling out weeds of illness, right? I'm adding the amendments of nourishment and love and support, right? Into your soil, just preparing your soil, um, as well as planting your seeds and just every step of that process of making your own plant medicine. And, and um, that just really resonates with me. And he's just a super cool guy. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, um, it's, de it's definitely, I, I have one person in, at wife two people in my life that have, you know, that do this, but, um, you know, it's important. It's, it's amazing having that person that, um, um, like really believes in you and, and, and sees you and, and, um, 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 and then also the concept of um, that, you know, I think a lot of us struggle with the concept of like, we're always, we're all supposed to do it on our own. Yeah. You know, in the larger um, society. And we're like, well, why, why can't I? And, and also like, I love the idea, you know, it's very empowering and, and um, it feels really amazing. Um, like to think of each person being able to lend something to the whole and the good, you know, and, and, um, um, and, I, and I think we need more of that yeah. for sure, as, as well as, you know, connecting with the, the, the plants and, and just this, um, but anyway, so such two wonderful um, uh, mentors and, and people who have, have 
supported you. That's that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, um, I also Richo is a writer, and I have one of his books here. Too. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, so this is his book, Making Plant Medicine, and uh, it's one of my favorite herb books. Um, it is one of the few that talks about different menstruums, like blending different menstruums. So he'll say, you know, use part vinegar and part alcohol, whereas most of us, most don't do that. Um, and he also just focuses on plants that you can grow yourself. So I really appreciate that because I am very much on the tactile side of and again, not to do it yourself, because there's just a lot of movements that are great and have a lot of, are needed and have a lot of power in them. And then sometimes people go so far with them that we have to kind of pull back again and, and remember, you know. So the do it yourself thing is great to be empowered and um, self sufficient and self reliant. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, able to survive crises or limited resources or whatever the case may be but also yeah we are meant to be a community and we need to not forget that as well but yeah that that book is one of my favorites can can you um can you scroll it up again so that everyone can see it i wrote the name down um this is one i'm familiar with but one i do not currently own yet but uh i really would have been wanting to so um i love it He's also just a, a really good writer. I mean, I consider myself a writer, and I just like his style of writing. It's very, uh, you know, it's sort of poetic and illustratory. I don't know if that's a word. I made it up, maybe. Um, it <laughs> but But also, uh, you know, just chock full of information, but palatable and interesting to read for me um, and pretty, you know, well-written as well. Um, yeah. I have some other books too. Yeah. I hadn't. I'm going to ask you about them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get to the books for sure. Cause um, definitely um, that's something that um, um, is a, uh, well, everybody wants wants the books, loves the books. Um, <laughs> um, let's see where, or we can, or we can jump right in to the books too. It's okay. We can certainly wait. I just realized I have them nearby. So. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You have them ready. All right. Well, we'll wait. We'll. Um, So what is your idea of who an herbalist is and what what does an herbalist do? <laughs> um, yeah, like sort of, um, I don't know if it's your mission statement, but like your mission statement, there's, you know, very many different types of herbalists and different ways that herbalists manifest their lifestyle and career um, as unique as each individual. Um, so yeah, there's could be you could be a clinical herbalist, you could be a traditional herbalist, you could be a community herbalist, you could be a medicine maker, a grower, a botanist, um, 
not to mention all the other sort of branches of herbalism, like aromatherapy and flower essences, plant spirit medicine. Um, so I feel like my definition of an herbalist is someone who lives in relationship with plants. And which sort of reminds me of James Green, uh, also one of my go-to authors, herbal authors. He talks about honeybees being the world's premier herbalist. Oh. Um, and I'm also a beekeeper and I like to infuse, you know, I consider honey a medicinal herb and like to utilize the alchemy of honey with plants. Um, but you know, they have this symbiotic relationship with plants, right? Honeybees, obviously they, they coexist together and they nurture each other and they, um, benefit each other and so I feel like that's what an herbalist does as well you know they cohabitate appreciate utilize and serve plants really um, so you know sometimes I feel like my days and weeks and months in life are sort of dictated by the needs of plants or or at least my projection of what plants need right so i go out and i think this plant needs to be watered or this plant needs to be pruned or this plant needs to be talked to or made into medicine and maybe it doesn't need any of that and i'm just <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah i like to i like to think that i'm helping them and we're helping each other it's a symbiotic relationship so i feel like that is the general idea of what an herbalist does um if you're wanting you know a more i don't a less esoteric maybe answer yeah just just your you know your take on it that's yeah you know, there's no right or wrong answer yeah. you know um that's a a lovely description of what an herbalist is and what an herbalist does i mean um i keep you know, I, I only have like three plants on my porch because that's all I can take care of. You know, I'm like, I don't want to, you know, have more plants and then not be able to take care of them. And then um, this lady girl, she moved out downstairs. Uh, um, I've got four apartments in my little building and she left this big plant on the porch. And it's this lovely, I don't, actually know what kind of plant it is and it looks kind of maybe it could be a tropical plant but it's a vine and it's growing up you know and i'm like who's watering this plant so i'm, I'm like watering it <laughs> i'm like i cannot you know i'm making sure that i'm like i was like i don't think anyone's watering all right we'll just water it and start taking over the care of this plant yeah. i can't so um so what you said definitely uh definitely makes sense to me and and um i resonates with me and i think that um, yeah and that's a good point you bring up too is you know you don't necessarily need to have a bunch of land with a bunch of plants to be in that relationship that's true. as well you know a, a few porch plants or potted plants are great and also you know if you have access to you know going on hikes or even just you know parks or even just little side vacant lots, you know, you've got lines coming up and, you know, in the winter you have pine trees everywhere. And so there are, you know, plants everywhere that you can um, 
connect with and create relationships with really wherever you are. Definitely. I mean, I'm in, uh, you know, I'm close to downtown Asheville and like literally like everyone's like yard has is overflowing with like echinacea and yarrow and there's, you know, mugwort sort of randomly and, and just little pops of um, goldenrod and um, just um, lemon balm and uh, mullein and rosemary and awesome. yeah. um, just, just, just growing, you know, in people's gardens. And um, it's surprisingly, it's, I'm surprised at the amount of just, I mean, maybe it's because of Asheville and we, we, um, we love plants more than we love grass, <laughs> you know, we'll have that manicured lawn, but, um, you know, um, and, uh, um, and you can tell like, um, people who know what plant it is because this uh, house by me, they had this comfrey, just a whole bunch of it growing under their trees in the front yard. And they mowed them down and mulched them over. And I'm like, okay, they don't know what that is. And then there's, you know, another house down the road and there's a whole big patch of it just there, you know, like, and um, close to their garden. So it's just, um, but yeah, there's plants, there's plants everywhere. Which, which is, which is cool. Um, so they're awkward. <laughs> um, it's sort of like they make it easy yes. for us to notice them and then to us to engage with them. So they're yeah, just absolutely. like, we're here. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Pay attention whether you're like, you know, in the city or or in the country. It's just it's just really cool. So yeah. Heather says from the chat, herbal lushness. Right. So nice. yes, that's a good <laughs> um favorite aspect about being an herbalist. Um, I think sort of what you just described, you know, is that um, I think the empowerment and the comfort that comes with knowing that plants are everywhere and yeah, plants are always thriving and, you know, um, taking over and replenishing themselves. Yeah. And uh, yeah, knowing that really wherever I am, I would be able to find food and medicine um, pretty much anywhere, I feel like. Um, and yeah, when, you know, COVID started happening in March and people started, you know, there was this huge rift, I guess there still is, of. Um, it's okay to bring up that topic, but, <laughs> but there is this huge, you know, it was like one day I would feel like I've got this, everything's fine, you know, and everybody, it's just, it's just there's nothing to worry about here. And then the next day I'd be like, you know, I have an autoimmune disease and I better get a gun and the world's <laughs> you know, end times are at the door, you know? So, oh, yeah. and no matter which way I was feeling during, you know, 
during the day or what I had read or who I had spoken to, um, I would just consistently feel very grateful to be an herbalist because I just felt like I have this arsenal of plant medicines. Um, I, you know, if we have a food shortage, I can go find wild foods, uh, whether I'm at my land or not, you know, um, just wherever I am. And just also being able to share that knowledge and value with other people and, you know, have it be, you know, a potential trade opportunity yeah. or just, you know, I would make a good team member for your apocalypse survival team. Um, I, think we, I think we still need that. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's so, like a slow-mo, I don't yeah, know, it's yeah apocalypse or or not i you know i don't it's i understand yeah yeah so yeah i just so feeling really empowered in that way and supported and nourished um and safe and um yeah i think going back to you know growing up in sort of a, a sort of unsafe feeling um situation or uh I just always feel protected and also not alone because of plants. You know, it's like even if I'm alone, there's living beings all around me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really did feel like I connected with that big oak tree. Um, you know, I grew up with it. It was right outside my window. And, um, you know, we had moved from, I grew up, we moved when I was nine from Brooklyn. So I was in the city, I was a city kid. And, um, and um, but like, I just ended up falling in love with the, the nature that was all around. And, and now I just feel like, you know, um, so strongly connected with that. Um, but on a funny note about COVID, um, when people were buying food, I was buying herbs. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> and so then out, a lot of the big suppliers sold yep. out quickly. Yeah, they did. And I actually have extra because I ordered from Mountain Rose and then they were just like, we can't get your order to you. It's going to take a while. So I ended up going to Amazon and some of the, you know, like Frontier and another one, they had their stuff on Amazon, mm -hmm. but it it was still like the fast shipping. So I was able to get some stuff. And then my Mountain Rose order came in. And right. I was like, okay, I've got a lot. So, you know, if 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 I needed to barter, if I need to give some away, if if something happened, you know, yeah. more is is better to have yeah. and they're not gonna go to, to use. And, and also like I, um, <clears throat> because I, I found like I was just sort of, reading and I was listening to all the herbalists and and talk about all the what to do with with a virus and and so I was learning a lot it was really scary but I was like I was like I'm learning a lot about like these herbs that have to do with this you know <clears throat> how to treat this uh sure yeah and it, and it was so it was a scary fascinating time so but yeah. but I definitely definitely share that that feeling of of like oh gosh or okay i'm gonna be fine yeah what am i gonna eat yeah <laughs> some chickweed yeah <laughs> holy basil pesto yeah right yeah um yeah and also when we did have that 
real big rush at the school too on herbs. Um, we sell herbs there, dried herbs, a plethora of dried herbs and extracts there. And we did have a real big rush on all those sort of lung support, immune support herbs. And, you know, I had a moment of that too, like, you know, is there going to be a shortage on herbs? And, and then that's that feeling that is really what I, I love about plant medicine is like, there is never going to be a shortage on plants. Like right. you know, if fires are out of echinacea or whatever the case may be, we have Japanese honeysuckle, you know, there's always other herbs. They're going to come back. You know, it might be, six months, it might be 12 months, but we're gonna have another flush of those herbs. Um, it's just never ending. Yeah, so. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what, you know, we get sort of swept up in the this mindset of the culture that we live in. And, and so we forget about that. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, there's this wonderful redundancy in herbalism and I, and variety and so like yeah if you can't use one herb you can sort of sub uh you know in another one so we have to keep that for the going forward <laughs> in mind a little more but yeah i think mountain rose is still sort of intimately having some trouble um so there's uh but um Norm's farm never ran out of elderberry syrup, so um, they have they have plenty. So don't have to worry about the elderberry. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, and and yeah, I was also um, my parents are in their seventies and they're in Texas, so I was also like making sure they had herbs, and I was making sure they had like preparations, and and like I was like, okay, guys. I'm sending you the herbs, you know, because, um, but so yeah, there was a lot just, um, <laughs> yeah, suddenly all the people in my family who are like, what does she do? They're like, hey, what herb should I take? <laughs> You're like an essential worker. Right. But, you know, I, that's a weird term. Um, cause you know, I think we're all essential. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's a difference. Um, so what is the, is there, what is the hardest thing about being an herbalist? Do you think there's? Yeah, I think. Um, challenging? I think the fact that people don't really understand that it's like a whole different system of healing than conventional medicine that they're used to and that sort of a different language in a way too um so you know i'll get a lot of what herbs can i take for what herbs should i take for arthritis what herbs should i take for diabetes you know what herb will help me sleep it's not even usually herbs it's what herb one herb you know so people have this mindset that it's like you you know in western medicine, conventional medicine, um, you take this one pill for this one thing, right? Right, yeah. So people still think that with herbs, it's going to be the same way. You take this one herb for this condition you've been diagnosed with, it's the condition you've been diagnosed with, when it's really um, a whole completely different thing. So um, 
people don't want to hear, you know, when they ask me specifically, I get a lot of questions about arthritis since I have it. But, you know, there's hundreds of types of arthritis and thousands of Americans that have arthritis. And so it's really just depends on the individual and people don't want to hear my first go-to thing is always stop eating sugar and grains. Right. Nobody wants to hear that. It's so know? tasty. Bread is so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I know. So people don't want to hear that. They don't want to, you know, necessarily come in for a two hour consult and talk about intimate details of all aspects of their life. Um, they don't want to change their habits, you know, in Ayurved, which is ancient Indian science of life, uh, healing modality as well. Um, they talk about what do you do the first three hours of your day every day, and that completely dictates your health status. Um, so do you get up and, you know, check your phone? Um, or do you get up and you know, drink coffee? Do you get up and stretch? Do you take a shower? Um, so they have it down, you know, their science of life can be as, you know, broad as the foods you eat and movement and as specific as the ring, the finger that you wear a ring on and what metals and stones are on it can affect your energy and healing. Um, so it's really, you know, herbalism is about being a matchmaker, so getting to know the energetics of the individual, the energetics of the pathogen or disease state or um, blockages or whatever it is that's affecting their health, and then knowing your, the energetics of your plants and foods and lifestyle choices and stones and whatever other things from nature might use and treatments the way you deliver them maybe you want to put those herbs in a bath for someone you know maybe you want to put them in a capsule maybe you want to put them in a tea maybe you want to put them in a honey so um being a you know sort of better herbalist requires matching those energetics of the plants to the and the administration to the person um, and people just they don't you know they want convenience um, and this is often what causes the sort of convenience mindset is often what causes a lot of illness and disharmony in the body and mind and spirit. And, you know, I'm guilty of it too. We all are to certain degrees, but, um, yeah, just people just not even really wanting to hear any of that. They're just like, right, yeah. it's going to work, you know, right now. Um, <laughs> And it's just rare that you can really do that. There are certain herbs. Turmeric is one that I would say that is, you know, for most people, it's going to be beneficial in some way to them. But it's not like, you know, turmeric is going to cure a certain disease um, alone without any other, um, any steps taken or changes made. Right. So yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. I mean, um, you know, we are, we are top by, you know, Western medicine that you take a pill and it cures everything and, and that's it. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to do anything. You just have to take that that pill and health is a lot more nuanced and complicated and, and it takes a lot more work, especially it's easier to prevent, but our, you know, how we live tends to promote 
illness, I think, because um, we don't, we're not taught how to like take care of ourselves. Um, and, and so then we just sort of end up instantly, I mean, that, um, I don't know about everybody, but it, um, it, in, in my experience, I find that like uh, a lot of people that I know just sort of end up instantly ill like bam where did this come from um and um but then it takes a lot to untangle that and get you back into health and you cannot just take a pill um to fix that and i think that you just cannot take a pill anyway unless maybe if it's an aspirin right it, like sometimes you know um or like if you need surgery um uh because sometimes you, you need that and sometimes things just happen so fast that that's the thing to do right yeah, and, yeah. Um, but then you also need all the aftercare like and 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 you just can't take like a pain pill and then it'll take it all away so I think that we're just um, not taught to think along those lines and it's surprising for everybody um, and um, even though I grew up in a like a household that we took our echinacea and like you know and and my mom didn't keep sugar in the house because well she would eat it but it benefited us so you know and and um so i was we went to the health food store like i always sort of grew up in a you know we didn't drink soda and 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 in this environment like i've had health issues um and um <clears throat> I, you know, I had this case of, I have this case of irritable bowel syndrome where like I, it came on real suddenly. I've always had sort of digestive like issues and stuff, sort of just, I have a, I don't know, just have a digestive system weakness or proclivity for holding things in. Um, so <laughs> that's where I hold it. Um, and, and I, and I went to the doctor and I got tested left and right and they're like, they did all these internal pictures and everything and um, and I kept getting worse and they're like, there's nothing wrong with you. And I'm like, um, so literally like they sent me to acupuncture and I had stopped being able to eat and I was in so much pain. Um, so, you know, it took a lot of work. It took a lot of like, acupuncture, Chinese herbs, Western, Western herbs, it took yoga, it took acupressure, it took massage, it took therapy, it took um, changing my diet, like going from being like a vegetarian with a high carb, going to like meat, low carb, lots of veggie diet, you know, like, but I had to figure all this out for me. Yeah. Like, I had to put all of the pieces together because basically they're like, we don't know. Bye. Totally. Um, so yeah, I think that a lot of people are, are not up for that challenge, but I sort of, um, uh, was in a place where I had to, mm -hmm. um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was pretty much, you know, out of the medical system for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Oh, my. 
20 something years. Um, and then I did decide to have a hip replacement, you know? So I, I think there's definitely, I mean, I know there's a huge place for conventional medicine. Yeah. We also know that our system is super broken. So I'm very grateful that I, I got this hip replacement and my life is much better than it was before the hip replacement. Um, and I also, you know, had a complication. I went to 11 doctors. Wow. Two MRI, an MRI, three ultrasounds, two biopsies, and two doctors that wanted to give me surgery for it on saying it was skin cancer when I was a thousand percent sure it wasn't. But if, you know, if, if I weren't in touch with my body, if I weren't able to go to 10 doctors and get all these second opinions, you know, um, I would have had a, a second surgery that was completely, completely worthless, um, not needed, and would have caused further problems. You know, even the surgeon who was going to do it said this might not heal well. Um, so, yeah, the system is just, it's a lot, you know. It's the, a lot. Each doctor knows what they do and what their tests do, and they're you know bound by these legalities. They can't really tell you anything outside of the scope of that. Um, they can't. It's it's just a lot. So it, it all has its place. Um, but the more education you have, and the more you can come in, you know, to a doctor, being aware of what's going on, and advocating yourself for yourself, and having friends there to advocate for you, and it's amazing. Is really important and helpful if you can. Um, and yeah, yeah, I could go on and on. Yeah, and I don't get me wrong. I, 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 um, I, I feel like there is definitely. I, I you know, I have a fantastic um, primary care doctor, and I feel like there is a both a place for herbalism and Western medicine, um, and that. We are complicated humans, and it makes sense that healthcare would be very complicated. Yeah. To to and navigate. One thing you said when people, you know, you said people just think they want to take a pill and that that will fix it, that will heal it. You know, really, there's no pills that heal anything. You know. I know. I know. <laughs> but I think you know that seems like we know that, but I don't think people really do know that. I don't think. Right. Or really understand that the pills aren't actually healing anything. They're right. they're not actually fixing anything. They're you know just masking some or maybe all of the symptoms and probably not all some of the symptoms and helping you cope, which is very valuable in a lot of cases. Yes. Helping you cope and helping you get further, but again, in the end, that state this disease state is still there and likely becoming compounded because it's being ignored because you can cope and nothing has changed that set it up. So yeah, we really need diet, lifestyle, plants, or basically diet in a way um, to help change those underlying causes and also to help offset the effects of the pills that are toxing out our system as well, while we use them to cope with whatever's going on. Yeah. Right. It's a. It's a. It's more of a. You know, it's a. It's a bigger picture than I think a lot of people realize. I mean, 
I have a whole, you're talking about, I have a whole morning routine now that involves yoga <laughs> and, you know, a lot of other stuff that, as well as checking my phone, I do also check my phone, but <laughs> you know, I drink some coffee, <laughs> I do, but, um, you know. Put some cardamom in, cardamom in it, that's the antidote for caffeine. Ooh, I should. <laughs> Probably home with digestion too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Immune booster, good antibacterial. Yeah. And and yummy. Yep, very yummy. Yummy. Um all right, we are gonna switch gears. So um we're gonna talk about um so tell us about the Appalachian School of Holistic Herbalism. Um, you know, about just in general about the school and like what classes you offer. I think you're closed right now because of COVID, but um, anyway. Yeah, so we are the oldest herbal study school in the Southeast. Um, I took it over, it was started in 1991. Then I took it over in 2001 from my teacher when we moved to India to follow her spiritual path. Um, she sold the herbs portion of the school to me, and I renamed it. And her husband did massage and energy healing, and he sold that to another person who kept the name. And yeah, at that point, um, we had the programs I bought from her were our fundamentals program, which is a 13 week. That means one night a week. I believe you did that program. I did. I did. Oh, full disclosure. Um, so I went way back, gosh, or 2007, maybe. I went and did that program. Um, and um, you were my teacher. Um, and um, um yeah i i forgot just forgot what i was gonna say right immediately after i started talking um so um yeah it, it was a it was a great program oh yeah it was my um only my second experience with uh studying herbalism i took a uh one-day course at red moon herbs on just medicine making and um with karina uh wood um and um you know so i just knew the basics of medicine making and then she did some plant identification and then i was like must do more school yeah um but yes um it was it was a really great class and i remember we had a tea every every class a different tea and i have my notebook which i forgot to dig out but anyway i have i have my notebook with all of those teas Oh, sweet. And, um, yes, so. <laughs> yeah, so that's a 13-week course that meets one night a week, and then every other Saturday we do field trips. So we go over herbs for each system of the body on weeknights and aromatherapy, flower essences, first aid, herbs for men, women, and children, and pets. Um, and then on the weekends we do medicine-making, uh, botany, plant identification, aromatherapy, um, 
fun stuff like that, fun hands-on, other side of the brain stuff. Um, and yeah, I, one of the teachers, we also have a lot of teachers. That was one of my main goals when I started the school was, or took it over, was to um, incorporate a number of teachers who are all like really good, like Frank Cook, you know, was talking about really into that, their one thing. Right, yeah. To teach that class rather than at the time, most of the art schools had like one head teacher that teaches everything. Um, so that was, you know, partially so the students could get a very wide perspective and really, you know, the best at each aspect of their field. Um, and also different perspectives so they could use some discernment and thinking and, you know, well, this person told me that and that person told me that and, and where, you know, do the two meet and what's the discrepancy. And um, I'm really into that, uh, not just being sort of indoctrinated by one person's beliefs. Um, and also, I, for me, it was also to just support the great local herbalists that we have in this region. Um, I, you know, having them teach at the school as well. So we did that class and then we have a nine months, uh, or I took over that class and her nine month traditional herbalism program that is more like, you know, the fundamentals is like, here's what plants can do and here's how they work and how you can use them. And then the nine month class is really the art of being an herbalist. And we go into, you know, um, Eastern energetics, like Ayurveda and Chinese medicine, and how to look at the whole person and assess what's going on with them and match the energetics of the plant. And also just uh, holistic lifestyle. We do beekeeping, organic gardening, permaculture, all these different career options in herbalism, seed starting, uh, growing, flower farms, do a bunch of field trips to different people in the area who are making a living and really just a lot of healers will thyself and introspection and working with yourself first before you work with other people and doing things like cleanses and case studies um, those in martial arts and, oh <laughs> yeah um so i didn't know that was part of the class yeah we do oh. qigong um that's great so those are the two main classes that I took over. And then we added uh, workshops, you know, all those great teachers would teach short workshops um, as well as other teachers on anything from alchemy, making spagyrics to, um, you know, making just simple teas or organic gardening or um, making Christmas gifts or lip balms or just any, um, we've also done, um, you know, really just workshops all over the spectrum, mushrooms, mushroom classes. Uh, and yeah, right now we're not doing classes at the school. Um, and we are open, we're doing retail. So we have custom blending apothecary. I think it's the only one in the region where you can go get an ounce with four different herbs of your choice in it. Oh, okay. Rather than having to buy an ounce of each at another store and then blend them, you can blend your own tinctures. Um, we blend it for you, so we don't have a bunch of people in there mixing stuff up. <laughs> um, but we can blend whatever you want, um, custom blends, 
Uh, we make all the tinctures ourselves for the most part or buy a few here and there from close, close reputable herbalists that we know. Uh, all organically grown or sustainably wildcrafted. We also sell dried herbs that again, less of the herbs, dried herbs are local than the extracts because uh, we just don't have the drying capacity to do that ourselves. But we do have a lot of locally dried herbs as well that we grew, I grew myself or wildcrafted. Um, and a lot of different products that are made by local herbalists. We like to highlight our graduates and sell their products out of our school um, and kind of showcase what you could do with your herbal career and what people have gone on to do, as well as our teachers and just other local herbalists that we're into. And I am doing a sporadic <laughs> sort of apprenticeship style days out at my um, so far botanical sanctuary. So. We're doing like Wednesdays and weeds and a lot of um, Saturdays or Sundays we'll go out and people will essentially just help me in the garden or in the land. And in exchange for going home with plants for medicine making or to plant in their garden, as well as me teaching them all about the plants. So, wow. That's yeah. cool. Um, so... <clears throat> Uh, Tuesday. Um, so the chat was, so can you, um, I put a link, all the, the link to the school is in the description. Um, and, and also you can find the store uh, that Sierra's talking about. The custom herb blends, can they do that from online if they don't live in, in town? Absolutely. Okay, so cool. That's a pick Yeah. Awesome. And our office is open Tuesday and Thursday, 11 to 6. So if you want to talk to somebody directly and go over that process of putting together a formula for you, Tuesday and Thursday would be the day to call. Tuesday and Thursday is the day that we fill orders, and then you can pick them up any other day, or we ship them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, and um, I did take a mead class. Oh yeah! Wow! Yeah, yeah. And my my husband's father is like, "Where's my mead?" Because I haven't like that first batch of mead I made like years and years ago was like such a hit, and then I haven't made any more. And I'm like, um, it's in the closet, getting ready, you know? Like, okay, I'm like, I guess I have to make some mead because I can't. I have issues with beer and yeast and anything like that, so I literally can't. I couldn't taste it. I couldn't even try the meat I made, but I wanted to make it because I just love the idea of making this substance with honey and tea. And 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 um, I'm like, well, if we distill it, I can drink it. But like that's illegal. So yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, I took that uh, class and it was really great. Um, so I had to make more meat. But um, uh, that's fantastic that you're offering um apprenticeships apprenticeships like that um so um and how would they just um if anyone's interested in coming out on yeah. those days how would they just uh email the school or call the school or the best way really is to follow our facebook group okay. so we have a business page and a group but if you join the group i i post on there when, okay when i'm bringing groups out 
or you can also um, follow me personally on Instagram. Uh, I'm just starting to do this, but where it was just a personal Instagram, but it's which we which. Um, what was it? Which we which. <laughs> which we which. Yeah. So yeah, we put, I'll post in the Facebook group. Um, on my Instagram, are bringing people out, and yeah, you can call the school too, and we'll put you on an interest list and okay. let let people know if you're not on social media. Give us leave us your number, and we'll call you. Awesome. Um, or email info at herbsheal.com. All right. that in the chat. I want to say hello to Raven who joined us. Hello, Raven Morning Glory. <laughs> um, so this, this really like funnels right into the next question is what do you feel is um, the best way for a person to learn about herbs? Yeah, I definitely feel like um, well, 100% hands-on if you can. So I, I feel very strongly that um, you need to use all your senses to experience plants and learn about plants. Uh, so touch, taste, smell, uh, intuition, all that good stuff. So if you can find an herbalist in your area, you know, hit me up, come over and help in the garden. Uh, if you don't live near me, you know, find a reputable traditional herbalist, in my opinion. Uh, it's good to find out how, where people's herbal influence came from, where they studied. You know, there's a lot of people getting into herbalism right now. There's a lot of Instagram herbalists, I would say, at this point. Um, and there's a lot of people that are, you know, really making a lot of money off herbalism and are coming from sort of like a naturopathic or more conventional medicine practice or mindset or scope and then translating that to herbs and there's a lot really lost in translation so if you can find a traditional herbalist that's studied with other traditional herbalists who have studied with other traditional herbalists to me that's really the best that just you know go ask if you could just help in their garden or their, their apothecary and you know oftentimes money doesn't even have to be a part of it so it doesn't have to be exclusive to people that can sign up for an expensive course or anything yeah yes yes um whew. brain see an hour and a half but <laughs> Um, I have some ADD, so sometimes it's like, um, but I, um, there's, um, but there's, there's, you know, there's definitely some more chat that I'd like to have. So I'm going to try to refocus. Um, I, I definitely agree. I found that, um, I learned best when I have it hands on. Um, it just, you know. It's hard to really get a sense of the plant through a book, um, and um, and I um, and I just yeah, from my experience, I feel like 
you know, and once I've seen a plan, I'm like, okay, I know what that plan is. Like, yeah. But if I, I see a picture or something, you know, it's just, it's just different. It's a whole different experience. And yeah. um, it's, it's fantastic that you offer that. So um, that opportunity um, and especially for just work exchange um, because um, herb school can be expensive. Um, and I think some of us uh, struggle with, with that and see, like, how are we gonna, how can we, anyway, and I have struggled with it myself, definitely. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, um, uh, and it's yeah. a valuable thing getting a long course that's linear and, and you know, it is, it is, not any gaps and has all these different teachers, and you know, and so that's certainly, I'm not, I don't want to discredit that also, like, I don't either, you know. <laughs> herb schools um and you know i'm i'm sure most herbalists herb schools you know try to really support their teachers and pay them well and all that stuff and supplies and all that cost right. a lot. um but yeah but i think also most herbalists are happy to have help and you know uh, are looking for that as well just a little hands-on help in the garden or the apothecary medicine making and for me, like I get so much more satisfaction watching someone take a plant home out of my garden that I might just compost because I have so much of it or give to my chickens or whatever and know that they're going to plant that. And then like three years later, they're like, I'm still making medicine with this plant, you know, just thought of you today. Like that to me is everything, you know, um, just knowing that they have the plant, have the relationship with it can find it again, you know, that's the stuff. So yeah. 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 Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah definitely. <laughs> um, and it, and it's, yeah, we have some fantastic herbal schools in um, the Asheville area and very fortunate. Um, and, um, you know, but there's also, um, it's good to have everyone's also a diff different learners you know some people do better in other ways so it's really nice to have a whole variety of of as our as our herbs are fitting to as we fit the herbs to the people we fit the learning to the to the people yeah. so that yeah definitely and we try to cater to all different learning styles in our school by having you know linear lecture type classes as well as field trips and medicine making and hands-on projects and homework and all that kind of stuff yeah, I, I found it very, very balanced between the two. Um, I, um, I do, I do very, yeah. So, um, so yes, all of the info about the Appalachian School of Holistic Herbalism is in the description, and then um, Heather put up uh, Instagram, and we have email. So, um, oh, so. Right. We're going to get to the books. Well, okay. So did you, did you ever think you would become a teacher and what's your favorite thing about being a teacher? 
before we get to When I look back at my childhood and you're like, what do you want to be? Like, I think I wanted to be a teacher at some point. I, I think I wanted to be like a child psychologist at some point. I wanted to be a vet. <laughs> um, so I think all of those things are like, you know, education and healing. Um, so I don't think it's too far off. But like I said, I didn't know any language for there being herbalists in the world. Um, until I was in herb school. <laughs> and even like before I was in herb school, I didn't really know that that's why I was going to herb school to be an herbalist. You know, I still right. didn't know what an herbalist was until I was, I guess, coming out of herb school, really. Um, so I didn't necessarily think that I'd be, oh, a teacher. You asked about being a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. So I do. I do think it's not far off, you know. Um, I had thought about it here and there, some sort of teaching as a child and stuff, and, and healing work. And I think that education is healing for sure, um, healing work. And I remember I was teaching at AB Tech, I think, or for AB Tech in some other part of North Carolina, community college or something. And I was carrying all my stuff and, you know, supplies, hands-on stuff um, for the class. And like I do, and all of a sudden it hit me like, this isn't a thing that I do, it's a thing that I am. Like, yeah. And uh, that was a pretty really cool moment, memorable moment for me. And it just, yeah. So I feel like education is something that's a part of who I am and um, not as much something that I do. Do yeah. that makes sense? <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> that, that definitely makes sense. Um, so Heather asks, what are some of your favorite plants to have growing in your garden? <laughs> that might be a hard question. Well, yeah. there. Uh, there's a little old version of cartoon version of Thumbelina. Uh, and it says, and then the witch went back to her garden of weeds. <laughs> and I think about that pretty much every time I'm in my garden. So I grow a lot of weeds in my garden um, and I'm very grateful to them. And it's, you know, it's sort of a permaculture principle. They're, they're per perennials. Um, and very, very valuable. Yarrow is definitely one of my favorite weeds that I, you mean, I could say I grow it, but I've never planted it. Um, and I, yeah, I've never planted it. It's just, it, it grows there. It grows itself. Um, and Rudolf Steiner, whom I love, uh, I wish I, I need to memorize this quote, but he says something about how Yarrow like a good friend just makes everything around it feel better. So it, it's a beneficial plant to the garden. It increases essential oil quantity and quality of other plants growing near it. So it increases the health of the other plants growing near it. It attracts beneficial insects. Um, so yarrow, you know, I leave it every year. I harvested it, harvest it for medicine, um, but I save some. I mean, it will go to seed even if I don't, but yeah, I, I never, I share it with people, but I always make sure I have plenty in the garden. It's one of my favorite herbs. Um, I could, I would, as Frank Cook would say, it's in my inner garden. Uh, I, I adore it. 
Um, and something that I actually actively grow and plant every year is turmeric and ginger. Um, so that's something that, you know, Frank would say is extra, right? It doesn't naturally grow here, um, but I love growing it. It's pretty easy to grow here as an annual. I try to overwinter it and, and keep it going um, so I'm not buying the root every year um, to plant. But, yeah, I like to grow it, and then I harvest my honey, you know, like last month I harvested my late summer flow, sourwood, and I will use the turmeric and ginger and make it into a honey extract. Mm. Ginger honey is my favorite. We learned that at school. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I, sweet. Yep. <laughs> yes, that's where I first learned to make honey and it's just amazing. And then I have, um, I made some garlic honey. Oh, great. Yeah. Which is, woo, quite yeah. a, a punch you know and and during the covid we were having these garlic shortage we we're having these shortages like the, the and i was like well if i make garlic honey you know i'll always have the garlic mm -hmm. um so that prompted the garlic honey but also it, it's got quite a kick so um i've made jalapeno honey um but yeah i love i love honey so yeah um um all right so it's book time. Last but not least. Okay. Um, so I, I had like herbal books for beginners or herbal books for advanced learners, but I'm just gonna ask you in general, what books did you bring and what books would you like to show us? Cause I yeah, so we have, the, the, but we also have a free library at the herb school. It's oh. their library. So you can go and you know, nobody's really going in the school, but we can take you know, a person at, at a time and um, you can hang out. We have like, I don't know, 700 books. On oh, wow. Living. So, yeah. But these are ones I happen to have in my house with me. And I was like, oh, great. They're right here. So this is one that we recommend in our fundamentals class to follow along sort of. As so we it's opposite on StreamYard. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a little crazy. I'm going to I'm gonna do this so I have a little more room. Yes, I have. I uh, Hello. Where is mine? Hello. Hello. Oh yeah. <laughs> Twinning. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> this is nice. Like our class, it goes through each system, herbs for each system of the body and the actions, herbal actions, and you start to learn that way. So that's the um, new holistic herbal by David Hoffman. Yeah. Um, Heather's got her pen ready. So <laughs> some of the books I, I recommend are sort of beginner intermediate level, but David Hoffman, just to mention I don't have it with me, also has a good um advanced book called is this one? This crazy one? Yeah, yeah. That's this this one is yeah, more advanced. Yeah. Um and it's yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Um he goes into all kinds of I haven't I took um, an herb class uh, at the Botanologos School. Oh yeah, uh, natural. I was I want to say herbal medicine, but it's not true. Um, it's but it's Botanologos, and but we didn't we didn't actually read this part where it goes into like. There's like molecules on here, yeah. so it's a hardcore uh, book. So, but I 
need to dive into that one at some point more. But we use some, yeah. <laughs> so that's more advanced. Oh. So I also recommend you get a field guide. And this is a really good one. Um, so you can start keying out your plants and knowing what plants you have. Although I am honestly like the worst botanist. And that's okay with me. Yeah. So I just have botanists, geeky botanist friends, just good geeks. Just kidding. All y'all botanists. Uh, this, is a, this is a, who has the same book? Uh, wait. Wait, I've got the other one too. Where is it? <laughs> oh yeah, I've got this one. Um, I have this one. Yeah, I yeah. like I like this one too. Yeah. Sorry, I'll stop. No, don't stop. Sorry. <laughs> I don't stop. I don't have that one. It's perfect. I don't have that one. <laughs> and so, anything by Rosemary Gladstar. Um, this is a really great one. Herbal recipes for kitchen witching, making a lot of good this way. Sorry, making a lot yeah, of it reverse stuff at home. Um, this is a little herbs for the home medicine chest. By oh, okay. Uh, this is one if you want to get into more of energetic assessment, um, which I think is really cool. I had another teacher I didn't mention talked about mentors but his name's Camilo Sanchez and he is in Charlotte, North Carolina and has a place called Dow Living Arts and he is a doctor of oriental medicine. Mostly now he does his own sort of medical qigong that he teaches people. Um, but I learned from him, he did a class in Asheville, he used to live in Asheville about energetic assessment and we learned both sort of the basics of Ayurved energetics and Chinese medicine Ayurvedic energetics at the same time. So just like looking at how the elements work in the body and in plants as well and, and in everything. And man, I was really turned on by that. I was just like, this it's like being an herbal detective, you know, this, and I realized like, this is what I do. And I think also like growing up um, with trauma, you know, you sort of become very aware of your surroundings, right? So it's sort of right. like in that way. So um, this is what I do. I key into everybody's energetics, right? And like what's going on. And um, so I was really turned on by by that. So this is a good one. Planetary Herbology talks about the energetics of herbs. You know, there's some, there's some, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Um, sort of subjectiveness in it, I think. You know, it's not completely hard and fast. This this herb is this way, um, but it's a good starting place if you're interested in energetic herbs. Yes, um, that is. I took a with um, so Patricia, Patricia. Yes, yes. Patricia Howell, who taught teaches the Botanologo School. Yeah, she's she um, she also does. I took a, like a two day class on the five element Chinese theory, mm -hmm. um, and I believe that also has to do with some energetics. Oh, totally. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was 
it was fascinating. Um, I, you know, that's one thing that I would love to know more about. Um, yeah. Definitely. So, um, I know, I remember. Um, so I used to work at in the uh, wellness department of a large health food store, um, and you know. And I always did feel like a little detective because, um, you know, when people would come and be like telling me about like what their what what their experiencing is, and I was like asking them all these questions and everything, and it was very like anyway. So yeah, um, I, um, I definitely can relate that. Um, and then you're trying to like match up the maybe the plant with what's going on, but in a kind of a much faster, smaller kind of um, right. way than if they came into an herbalist office. It was anyway, but um, yes. Getting them as much as you can with this <laughs> yeah. and little information that you have. Yeah. But, it's, but I, yeah. I, I love the, the systems because the traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic have been around for such a long time. And it's like, they, I'm like, wait, they know all this stuff. Like they already know all this stuff. Like why, why don't I know all this stuff? Yeah. I don't know. yeah. <laughs> it's very fascinating. Yeah. And they have a Chinese medicine, especially as a pretty unbroken lineage of, of recording all their knowledge and just adding to it and adding to it. Whereas we have these sort of herbal traditions that were started and then we, um, you know, mass murdered all our herbalists. So now that we lost a lot of knowledge there, you know, so um, we have a lot to, a lot to gain by looking at other systems of healing around the world and especially Chinese medicine and Ayurveda are very, very profound in their healing arts. Yeah. And I feel like what we have done since we've sort of, um, you know, had that happen where we, we lost a lot of knowledge is we sort of um, brought in, that's my cat, you probably can hear. She said, it's time, I'm hungry. It's time. Um, one day I just sort of realized that, like, you know, Western herbalism was sort of this thing where we, brought in a lot of things from a lot of cultures and sort of made a little little soup sort of to fill in some of the blanks and the connections. And I, but I think that's really cool. Yeah. You know, and I, and I thought, oh. Sort of what America is about, right? I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. In, in the best sense of that, right. that word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, Heather's like, is that all the books? No. That's I think that's all we have right now. That's all the books that I have. With. Uh, I would also really recommend Susan Weed's um, book, Herbal Healing Wise. For a beginner's book, it's the first herb book that I think I ever had, and I still have it, and it's like in 18 pieces. But um, I remember just being like, wow. And so she really goes into – she just chooses a few herbs that are common weedy herbs, you know, um, and goes really in depth with them. 
like mugwort might be in there, but I don't yep. know. Yeah, and she goes really in depth, and I believe it's better to know a few herbs really well than a bunch of herbs a tiny bit. Yay, you got it. This is actually a new copy because my old copy is also in a hundred pieces. Yeah, I think it particularly wasn't found well, but also people just adore it. Um, she's got recipes and and goes for cooking with the wild foods. It goes really in depth with a few plants, which I think is great. You know, I, that was like my prized possession for a long time. And then I started studying, getting into like, you know, the planetary herbology and the energetics. And I was like, oh, this is kind of baby stuff, you know? And then like years later, I came back to that book and I'm like, no, this book is really everything, you know? Yeah. So good. Um, so yeah, I really recommend her books um yeah and then her new book um is also really awesome this one abundantly well okay i haven't read um it. and she's sort of um she she breaks the gosh the healing process into like um, so there's these steps, um, and one is, so this is step two, imagine health, mind medicine, and then it goes up to like step six, which is like, Break and enter, which is about like surgery. And um, the choice, it's about what? The steps of healing. Right. It's about the choices that we have when we're faced with a health issue. What tools do we use? Right. Do we need to do like some yoga or do we need to do some like, do we need to have surgery? Um, yeah. and, and I think it's what we were talking about that's very complex, the healing and the healthcare system. And this could really help you. Like you could read it and then be like, hey, I think I need to do this step and this step, but you can do it out of order. You can like, it's, yeah. like, a, it's like a map. Um, yeah. And she gives you websites and resources and explains some of these like natural therapies as well as like, she gives you like, the drugs for uh, uh, if you have issues with gas, and then she gives you the herbal like herbs, the herbs for gas that you, can, that you have, like so you know all of your options. I I really like it. Um, it's it's a uh, um, she said that she was working on it for a really long time. It's got this very like this one is written in a very like whimsical poetic way which is beautiful this one is a little more like down like i would like you could recommend this to your person who maybe is not not an herbalist right not yeah. so into the plants and um some of the more like esoteric um theories i guess <laughs> and ideas and stuff like that but just goes straight into like I just I, I really like it, and and I'm supposed to be doing a a book review, <laughs> which I haven't done yet. But, um, 
We talk about her seven steps of healing in our traditional program really early on. Oh. And yeah, and yeah, it's a good, good sort of foundation, just sort of mindset to look at your choices. Really, it could be in anything that you do. And it also sort of relates to permaculture as well. But, you know, the first step is do nothing, which is the same in, per, in permaculture. And, you know, rather than make a wrong move by reacting, just don't react, you know, and then gather information and then, you know, use your senses to gather information and, you know, then engage the energy. So um, it's it's very cool. I'm really into the steps of healing. It's cool you brought that up. So maybe she just put it in a book form because I think I think that's what it, I believe the first one is pretty much like do not, yeah. Yeah, this is it. Seven medicines. It's right here. It's yeah. do nothing, collect information, engage the energy. So, yeah. Uh, serenity medicine, story medicine, mind medicine, lifestyle medicine, alternative medicine, pharmaceutical medicine, and deep medicine, which is the surgery. So, okay, she put it in book form. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Yeah. It's it's. Um. But um. We have, on my YouTube channel, we have an herbal book club. And we did healing-wise. Oh, great. Yeah. So um, um, if anyone's watching from the book club, we are all very, very familiar. Um, and we sort of do a slow journey through the book. Like, um, it's not a book a month club it's like it took us like almost a year to get through it because we just like come in and I read a section and we talk about it and you know and then we get off topic and then like you know everything else so it's really loosey-goosey and um but anyway yeah I <laughs> and I think this was my first her book and and I when I think about and I'm reminded of this when you were talking about how like the plants that you played with when you were young and you were told not to eat that you could have actually eaten. Like, how did you know? But uh, sometimes I think about my first herb books and it's like, how did I know to pick out these herb books out of hundreds of herb books at the Barnes and Noble? Like that I just grabbed her, did this one and it was just like, and then found out that a lot of people also, you know, did the same thing. And so anyway, that was that's always fascinating to me. It's like, why did I decide to pick up this book? I didn't know anything. I didn't know who Susan Weed was. Yeah. Um, so, um, all right. So everyone hopefully has a few more books to, to chew on. Um, and, um, so, How, I think, one last question and then we're gonna wrap it up. Um, <laughs> um, how do you see the role of herbalism in the future going forward? Oh gosh. <laughs> or what would you like for um, to happen with this, like this thing called herbalism, where do you, where would you like it to to be or do or? What I'd like, I, I like that question better than how do I see. Sorry. It. <laughs> yeah. um, 
I, I honestly am at a point, I think it's just a personal point that I'm at in my life, but also has a large part to do with it. But also um, I'm sort of concerned about where herbalism is at and going. I'm concerned about like the digital age of herbalism um, and sort of everyone is an herbalist and everyone's a wild forager and it's very sexy and they have like these, you know, sort of nice, like, handmade clothes and, you know, leather clothes and good haircuts and are out there foraging. And I don't, I don't know. It, it concerns me. Um, you know, everything, everything good becomes trendy at some point. Um, and in some ways that's great. And we need more herbalists. Um, but, you know, Weeds are an infinite resource, but some herbs are a finite resource for sure. Um, and a lot of times those finite, more rare herbs are the ones that become trendier and more popular and more sought after. Um, so I'm concerned about the conservation of, of certain herbs and wild foods. Um, and yeah, so those are my concerns. Where would I like to see it go? Um, I would love to see, you know, just with sort of all the breakdown that's going on in our, our government and our society and, and the divisiveness um, that's happening and the, you know, small businesses closing down and people losing their jobs and people losing their inability to connect with their peers and friends and family and um, their hobbies that keep them going and bring joy in their life. I would love to see us create new systems around nature, right? Because we are able to still go in nature um, and appreciate nature. And I think that brings just so much health and groundedness and relief to our nervous systems and strength to our immune systems. Um, so I'd love to see us build systems around like community herbalism, um, community apothecaries, sharing food and medicine with each other, um, which are all things we could do safely and affordably and effectively. Um, and we, you know, we protect the things that we know about and we love, right? So, you know, educating people about herbs and sustainable use of herbs rather than like these sort of trending big herbs from India or the Amazon or whatever. Um, just connecting people with these, you know, goldenrod is freaking everywhere right now. Everywhere. <laughs> Perfect herb to take right now for pretty much everyone. Um, you know, so connecting people with that awareness of the abundance that's all around them. Um, I'd love to just see that happen more throughout communities on a small sort of intimate scale, but abundantly, if that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> intimate, but big. Yeah. It's happening everywhere, but yeah. small groups of people coming together and supporting their communities with, with herbs and plant walks and shared apothecaries and shared book clubs and you know yeah that's, food that's, yes yes because we 
you know, we have the ability to have enough food and enough uh, housing and enough support for, I think, for everybody. I think yeah. that really we do. There's so much, I mean, especially where we live, we're super lucky, but we have you know, abundant good water, right? And we have an abundance of wild plants, more, more species of plants than anywhere in North America in here. So, um, yeah, and so many herbalists and so many knowledgeable people, craft people and skills, people with all sorts of earth skills. And so if we could just figure out, you know, hubs to come together and share all of that, you know, if somebody has an abundance of squash, somebody has an abundance of orlots, somebody has an abundance of, you know, beans or whatever it is, and, and knowledge and sharing, skill sharing, I think it sort of could be the way Sure, I would love to see more of that. Yeah. That's, I that sounds like an amazing that sounds amazing and I would I would one hundred percent want all of that to happen and um you know I, I would love to, you know, be a part of all of that. Um and uh yeah. So, yeah. That makes me happy thinking about those ideas and um you know, come together with our <clears throat> fellow humans and, um, you know, work with the plants and, and um, you know, and share what we have. That sounds, that sounds great. So I, <laughs> all right. Um, well, um, I'd love, I'd like to, Say thank you to Sira for joining us and having an amazing chat for almost two hours. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we probably could have gone on, but um, we, yes, it's, it's a good time to stop. Um, um, and, um, Thank you for everyone in the uh, the chat who's joined us today. Um, thank you for everyone who will join us in the future. This will be uh, immediately on Facebook, but um, it takes about 24 hours to pop up on YouTube. Um, and let's see, so uh, I have notes here. Um, our next interview is the 20th of October at 12 p.m. Eastern. We had to change a little things around, so um, yeah, but um, that's the next one. There's going to be a tiny gap where life happens. Um, so we have a, if anyone's interested in stories from the earth, we have a Facebook group, which is listed in the description, feel free to join. If you wanna come on and get interviewed, um, you don't have to be like, you can just, you don't have to be an herbalist per se, you can just be like a plant enthusiast, you can be a student, um, you can tell your experience about herbs and we can talk plants, um, or if you're an herbalist or a teacher, come on. <laughs> um, um, and um, yeah, so I hope everyone has a lovely day um, and go outside, try to go outside and, um, you know, play with some plants. 
today and um, I'll see everyone on the 20th. So, um, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>